Now, the greatest story never told with Miles and Thrill. All right, welcome to the greatest story never told. This would be episode number eight, and we are simply going to title this one Unstained. Uh, (laughs) The reason is, is because we have a couple stories to share with you. Uh, In the radio world, you get uh, a lot of opportunities to meet uh, celebrities and musicians. You interview them. It's kind of a weird conundrum because for the most part, you you kind of feel like you know someone uh, based on the fact that they come in for 15 minutes of their life and you sit down and you have a discussion with them. Sure, sure. Which is kind of an interesting conundrum because they don't remember you either, but you feel like you have this personal bond. Sometimes you can connect real quick. Yeah, it's easy to do sometimes, but other times it's a little bit more difficult. But, you know, we, we have had the opportunity to uh, to interview a, a number of different guests, uh, different perspectives. Believe it or not, sometimes the uh, guests you look forward to the most are the worst. Absolutely. Kind of like yeah. going to your favorite band uh, concert and you're like, oh, man, that was that was not what I was. It was a bad about. show. Yeah. yeah. And then you go to a show that you have no expectations and it's a great show. You're like, oh, my God, this band's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same holds true for radio interviews and, and meeting people and everything else. So uh, the first story, we'll, we'll give you a couple of them as far as interactions with rock stars. Sure. And believe it or not, things have changed over the years as far as the way the entire uh, rock star life is what you would imagine, maybe, um, as far as backstage and the antics and well, what goes on. Well, a lot on. of these guys, as they get old, look, the younger the band, the more the more the backstage is what you picture it being, right? A little bit mm-hmm. crazy and all that. But then you meet people like the Slashes, Duff McKagan's, Chris Cornell's, guys that have been around for a long time. And, and look, they're about our age. And it's funny, but you talk to these guys and they're like, listen, backstage, and they're not kidding, uh, we have like a health person back there because we're getting old and yeah. you're still playing 200 shows a, a year, but also they have like their vitamin packs. So, and I'm not kidding. So you have certain, and I'm not saying who they are, but they're like, look, where it used to be, we'd have a ton of blow and weed and maybe guys are shooting heroin. Now, uh, when we get to whatever arena we're playing, there is a vitamin pack and these vitamin packs are sure. different depending on the, the needs of these different musicians as they get older, right? Like, hey, you need a little extra this, that, and the other, and, and that's what they do. So backstage, is a, it's still a cool experience because you get to see behind the scenes, but it is not always. It's also a job. Rock it's also crazy working. thing. It, yeah, right, it's all they're things. professionals. So probably four or five years ago, uh, just to give you an example, uh, the guys in Corn were in town, and they were doing a national syndicated radio show. So they were doing a show, I believe, that they answered questions or whatever. But either way, they were doing it from our studio because yes. they were in and that was, you know, they, they could use our facilities and still do, I think it was like Rockline or one of those Something shows. Like, like that. Welcome to Rockline. I'm Jim Ladd. I'm going to ask really deep Rolling Stone type questions. Kind of that kind of crap, right? But I see a guy I know, Ray Lugier. Now, Ray is the drummer for Corn. All right. He is not the original drummer. Mm-hmm. He's been there for about 15 years. He's an amazing drummer. I walk in. I know him. And I'm like, Ray, how the hell are you? He's like, hey, man, how are you? And I'm like, I'm doing great, man, blah, blah, blah. Everybody in there is on their Bluetooth. Uh, their, uh, what, what, what is the phone that is not popular anymore that people had? Uh, Bl- Blackberry. Blackberry. They yes. all have Blackberries. They're, they're I playing, do too. They're playing video games. They're doing all this stuff. No one, no one's doing anything other than communicating. That there's no liquor. But, but the beauty is, it still looks like corn. So as you look through the glass into the other studio, it is corn as you imagine corn to look. Sure. Although three of the five guys are wearing glasses because they can't see. Like as you get older, but they're very calm, just very nice 
genuine down-to-earth white dudes with dreadlocks. Yeah. I mean, that's- so I'm like, Ray, I haven't seen you in a long time, man. How's it been? He's like, yeah, man, when is the last time that we, 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 we've got together and, and then hung out and done that thing? And I was like, well, interestingly enough, that is one of the stories of uh, tonight's um, unstained uh, podcast. So, okay, we go back to 1997. I am working on a radio station in Baltimore called 104.3 The Cult, The Greatest Hits of the 70s. Mm-hmm. All right. They it wouldn't is, call it classic rock. They called it the great. I remember your, and it's funny, you have to keep in mind, there was a long time that Miles and I did not know each other. All right. So I'm a classic rock guy for the most part. It's not that I'm a classic rock guy. I'm old. And now what I like is called classic rock. So I had been listening to Miles for years without ever realizing it was Miles because he never went by a Miles. No, I went by Steve Austin because Steve Austin was the Bionic Which, no man. offense. I thought it was a stupid name at yeah. the time. And Thanks, I remember Bill Pasha. I would hear, you know, Steve Austin. So I'm listening to this guy, but I even thought, like, he seems all right, man, but that name is so stupid. It's so funny. What an a-hole. So I get this call on the hotline one day. I'm doing the afternoon show, and uh, it, the hotline goes off, and it's a woman named Amy. We'll call her Amy. And she calls up, and she goes, hey, I am uh, in David Lee Roth's management. He's coming to town to do a show. Uh, would you like to set up an interview? I was like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in my lifetime, David Lee Roth is like the quintessential other than Kiss. He's the front man. He, he is the he, front man. Kiss right? did not have a front guy that you could relate to. They still don't. Um, <laughs> but but Van Halen did. Whether he was Sammy, whether it was David Lee Roth, at that point in time, they were still on the Sammy tip. So David Lee Roth was out on the road with the David Lee Roth band. Greg okay? Bissett, Billy Sheehan, Steve Vai. Not quite not that, that level okay, yet. Right. Not, but that was before that. Eat them and smile, all that stuff. Yeah. But, but you can't just go out when you're launching a tour and take those types of mus- musicians out and kind of do that thing. So here's how. Here's basically how this, this goes down. So David Lee Ross Band is opening up for Bad Company. Now, Bad Company is a old-school classic rock band. They've been around for a while. Feel like making love, bad company. They wrote a song named after their band, which is, that is ego to the top. But they have four original members, and for the first time in 20 years, Bad Company is going to get back together with all four original members. Now, the lead singer, what's it, uh, Paul, uh, Tell us his name. His name is uh, Paul, oh God. Rogers. Paul Paul Rogers. Paul Rogers, yes. Now, he is a notorious (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> Always has been. Uh, the other guys in the band, Simon Kirk, Boz Burrell, Mick Ralphs. Wow. Sorry I remember wow. that. No, you should win money for that. Okay. Dude. All right. So this is the original One band One of company. those guys forgot he was in the band. Like, now, wait, what? Now, David Lee Roth is going to go back on the road and play Van Halen tunes for the first time ever. All right. So we basically hook up this interview, and she says, hey, look, man, um, He's in Amsterdam, so uh, we're going to do the phone call. It'll be kind of an off time. I'm doing an afternoon show, so it's weird in Amsterdam. When's he going to call? Probably what, what? after his gig, I would guess, right? Based yeah. on an hour change. So we, so I take this phone call, and it's David Lee Roth, and I see the light go off. Hey, and man! Like, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, like it's crazy. I'm, I'm very excited. So I pick up the phone, and it's David Lee Roth. Well, right at this point, we're in a commercial break. 
So me and Dave are just having this conversation. I'm like, dude, where are you? Like, you sound like you're, you know, 100 yards, 100 miles away. He's like, no, I'm in Amsterdam, man. He's like, it's crazy. Like, the red light districts are, like, going back to the 1800s, man. He's like, dude, you can get, like, a prostitute, blah, 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 blah. David Lee Roth is David Lee Roth. He's and what he's you think about, he is, yes. I bought all this different weed. I've had mushroom tea. We're doing our show here, blah, blah, blah. We're coming to D.C. We're playing the MCI Center, uh, you know. Why don't you come down, hang out? I'm like, Dave, do me a favor. Like, I'm this guy. I love to smoke weed. Will you do me a favor? And will you just bring me back some Amsterdam bud? He's like, yeah, man, no problem. (laughs) End of conversation. The break ends. We go into the standard radio interview with David Lee Roth. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 man. Hey, man, everything, blah, blah, blah. And the mojo dojo and the barbecue and all this. Like, he's David Lee Roth. All right. So... Interview goes well. I think I have a, uh, a great interview. We go live. He doesn't cuss, which is amazing. It's right. great. All right. Two weeks later, he is playing the MCI Center. That was the reason for this. In Washington, We've DC. got tickets for you to see Bad Company and Van Halen. We're going to do rock blocks all weekend. We're going to play three of your favorite bands. In a row, blah, blah, blah. I hate typical, that typical classic rock crap that just f***ing sucks. I mean, <laughs> same s*** they've been doing for, you know, 40 f***ing years and still haven't got a f- clue about easy, how to change this easy. formula no it's good you can bleep all this out <laughs> but it's true they can <laughs> suck and they're in there and the way they program is just absolute shit so they have this formula that they do it so we're gonna do a van halen weekend right because david lee Roth in a bad company weekend Give he's away not tickets. in van halen at the time it should be pointed out you're doing a van halen weekend for a guy that's no longer in the band by the way back to amy who keeps calling me and asking me if we need t-shirts to give away and now she's really really nice and she says, hey, man, uh, my, my husband is the manager of the David Lee Roth band, and we would like you to come down and do a stage announcement or whatever and kind of, you know, get, get ready for the show before Bad, Bad Company is the headliner, by the way. Right. David Lee Roth band. All right. Whatever. So she's like, do you need an extra ticket? And I'm like, no, I don't need an extra ticket. I'm, I'm, it's just me, right? So I go down to the MCI Center by myself. I'm married to my first wife at the time. She does not give a flying you-know-what about David Lee Roth, Van Halen. She doesn't care. She's, like, listening to crap. Michael Jackson? She's listening to music that's probably pretty good, actually. Give her credit. Okay, so, but I have to go down there. So I go down, and uh, David Lee Roth plays. I'm in the MCI Center. And I go down, and I'm like, hey, uh, quote, Amy, you know, whatever. Um, I'm here, I'm Miles, I'm the, I'm the guy that you, you talk to on the air, and blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, my God, your interview was great. We loved it. I sent him a digital copy of it, all this stuff, right? So you should go backstage and party with Dave. So I just watched David Lee Roth complete his set. He did it with a band of atomic punk-like musicians, which okay. means that – all the, like he hired two or three guys from cover bands because they know that material. And Ray Luger was a part of that band. He was the drummer from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the same guy that's in corn now. So, okay. So I said, Hey man, is big, uh, is big Ed around? Who's the manager? He, he, he said, I can go back and party. Oh, yo, you're miles. Yeah. Yo, oh yeah. Who do you have with you? Who's your entourage? Who? It's just me. Perfect. So they take me backstage, and in the MCI Center, David Lee Roth has this 
this facade over his uh, dressing room door that says Club Dave with palm trees, with lights, with all this stuff. You said there's it's, sand on the floor? They actually have to get sand. Seriously. And dump sand on the floor. In the dressing room. This is where the Washington Wizards visiting team or the Washington Capitals visiting team's right. locker room is. So we're not in the main locker room of the home team. We're in the visitor's locker room. But we have access to showers. Sure. We have a kitchen. We have lockers. We have all this stuff. So I watch this show, uh, but I don't watch Bad Company because I want to go down and I want to be backstage. This is my backstage opportunity, right? I've had many, but this is different. This is David Lee Roth, someone mm-hmm. I look up to. I mean, as far as a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure, I sure. love David Lee Roth. We have to knock on the door. They let us in. The door opens with a creak. It's, it's, it's a crack. But it's David Lee Roth answering the door. And Big Ann Anderson, who was his manager, said, it's cool. It's me. We're going to go in here. By the way, who was Amy's uh, fiance? Okay. And she's like, it's Miles. He's great. He's cool. Bring him in. Whatever. Okay. So I walk in there, and he's like, hey, man, you know, how are you, man? I'm Dave. Welcome to the Mojo Dojo. By the way, anything, the Mojo Dojo. anything you ever read about David Lee Roth, about as far as him being an ass or a piece of crap or whatever, you know what? Complete lie. He is the nicest guy that you would ever want to meet. He is so cordial and cool. He's like, dude, have you eaten? And I'm like, no. He's like, I got sandwiches. I got pizza. I got beers. I've got all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, man, that, that's awesome. Uh, thanks, man. He's like, here's a beer. Here's a shot. Let's do a shot. So we do a shot. We're hanging out. We're talking about crap. And I'm like, dude, I talked to you like two weeks ago. You were in Amsterdam. And I asked you to bring some weed back. Did you bring that weed back? He's like, oh, you're the dude. Bro. <laughs> I've got your stuff. <laughs> he actually got you weed. He runs back. He runs back into the back of the shower area. And he comes back and he's got a handful of golden buds. They are not in a bag. Right. He reached and he just shoves them into my. You know how you're not supposed to ever put your hand in another man's pocket? Unless you have weed. <laughs> he just shoves this skunky bud down my pocket. And it and it 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 effing reeks right. like it is just the worst crap that you've ever experienced in your life. So now bad companies on stage and they're doing their reunion tour and it's all good. We are having a blast. They're okay. I mean, to give you an idea, we went back probably five or six times to the back of a toilet to blow coke off the back of a, <laughs> of a toilet. We are having a blast just talking about all kinds of crap. Then all of a sudden, Dave goes. Hey man, show's about to start. You know, like let's let's get ready. And I'm thinking to myself, well, do you want to walk out and do we get like access to bad company on the side stage? Right. You know, like and then these two strippers come in from scores. And that was they, a massive strip club in the Baltimore DC right. area. And and in and, and New York and everything else. Oh god, that's right. Yeah. And so they lay down a cloth tablecloth in the middle of the room. All right, all these people are in there. And also, I'm talking to this guy. He's like, oh, man, yeah, man, you never seen Dave. Oh, man, this is great, right? Yeah, man. These two women come in, and they begin to do their show. They have a see-through double dong that is completely clear, <laughs> but it has a light running through it like you would see if you would see like a, 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 a light 
or a, a word thing like in a 7-Eleven, like where, where you flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's all these like pixelating dots that can say stuff. All right. <laughs> this is a huge double dong. <laughs> they lay the thing down. These women start doing their thing with the double dong. Now, Mike, you'll appreciate this because as most Boy Scouts know, if you want to put a flashlight in your mouth or you want to do one of those tent things, you can see all the all the veins in your hands. You can see. So the light was going in and out of them. Aha. Uh-huh. So they were like it was going back and forth and back and so like and then it goes into strobe function, but it's still coming it's still coming through the skin as they're doing their stuff. Right? Yes. The skin, yes. So so Dave looks at me and he goes, I bet you've never seen anything like this before, man. I'm like, no, but I know how this movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's laughing his ass off. We go back and we do more cocaine. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, like, dude, if he ever listened to this, he, he would say, like, yeah, of course. Uh, so, like, I'm, I, don't, I don't feel bad about this. Um, so we do all this blow and we go back out. And I realized the guy that I'm sitting beside is Boz Burrell from Bad Company. Okay. Next to me is Ray Luger, the drummer right. of Now Corn, because he's in his band. There's all these guys in there. And Ray, by the way, has never done any drugs, has never drank a beer in his life. Really? He, no. Wow. He is just in there having a good time because- Because it's, it's still fun. Unfortunately, right. the writer for Bad Company called for uh, Paul Rogers saying that all these guys could get together- but there was no drinking on tour because Mick Ralphs and Simon Kirk had an alcohol problem. So they're not supposed to be in there. We're doing shots. We're drinking. All of a sudden, oh, it's Paul. I know you're in there, Simon. Get the F out of there now. <laughs> so we hide. We hide the members of Bad Company up on stalls. <laughs> They're sitting on toilets in the bathroom, right. so you can't see their feet. Paul Rogers comes in. Okay? Paul Rogers comes in, and he sees none of his bandmates because we've got them all propped up on toilets <laughs> in the bathroom locker room. All right? He's like, oh, I don't know where they are. I think they're somewhere in here. All right. So we get through that, which was just crazy. And then we keep drinking. We keep doing our thing. Uh David Lee Roth, the greatest guy in the world, the nicest guy in the world. Uh, we smoke that weed. I still have some in my pocket. Uh, the night goes on. We're having a blast. As, as cocaine nights go, it just gets <laughs> deeper and deeper and deeper. Time to go now. They're kicking us out, right? So I walk out into the MCI center floor, and the stage is gone. It's gone. Right. The, the, the roadies, have, the, the trucks have pulled out. They're on their way to the next destination. We are still in there partying. I walk outside, and there's daylight. Oh, wow, man. <laughs> there's daylight. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I drive, I drive home. My wife is awake at 7.15 when I, when I pull in the driveway. And I explained to her the story, and I'm like, honey, and I still, and I, I started emptying my Levi's jeans, where I'm in the corner of the pocket, like if you had a lint ball in it, yeah. pouring out, you know, pieces of this Amsterdam bud, which is reeking. I mean, reeking still to this day. And she's like, oh my God, I've never seen marijuana like this. Like, I, I believe you. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I totally believe what you're saying. So I got high all night with him uh, on so many different levels. We partied. We never talked about work. 
it was just one of those things where we just had a throwdown. Paul Rogers, we kept him from firing the band <laughs> so bad company could still go down the road, okay? It was just one of those experiences where it was truly a rock and roll radio experience, you know? And to this day, uh, Big Ann Anderson, who used to be his uh, manager, uh, probably not his manager anymore. I'm not sure that they're married anymore, his wife. Uh, but either way, it was one of those things where, like, this is what I thought that radio was going to be. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Because I'm young. This is awesome. This guy brought back weed for me from Amsterdam. He remembered. He is a great guy. He served me beer. We did shots of Jack Daniels. He talked about whatever the hell he wanted to do. He brought me into his mojo dojo world. He was trying to convince me to take Tai Chi. The whole thing was just freaking <laughs> yeah. bizarre, right? And that's when you love them. You should you know, do Tai Chi, man. Dave, you're awesome. Yeah. So I, I, I get back to work, and uh, I tell my boss about this whole experience, and he goes, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm dead serious. He's like, no, bullshit. So they come back through, and they end up playing Baltimore. before they're, they, This was DC. They, they end up playing one more show in Baltimore. And so David Lee Roth walks in. To the, to, the, to the radio station, and uh, the late Mike Summers, who was my program director, said, hey, man, David Lee Roth's here. Time for you to square up, right? You going to tell me the truth? David Lee Roth walks into Mike Summers' office and goes, hey, motherfucker, you got the coolest motherfucker ever if anybody ever fucking party with in my fucking life on your air staff, and I brought in more weed and more cocaine. <laughs> And Mike Summers, like like you would say, like, holy shit, he's <laughs> not actually lying this time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, and to that, David Lee Roth was not only my god from childhood, he then became my god as an adult. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this guy was so cool growing up, and I had posters on him on my wall in my room, and now he's vouching for me to my boss who says I'm full of shit. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the greatest moments of my life. He's like, dude. So I got invited to dinner with him. We went out with Big Ed with, with his fiance that night. We had a steak dinner, man. Uh, Dave is not a big eater because he's all coked up. Right. Uh, <laughs> but either way, it was just one of those rock star moments where like, and, and nothing has replicated that sense in my, in, in my professional career from dealing with someone. In else. your professional career, yes. Professional career, yes. <laughs> Me and Steve have done that numerous times say. by ourselves <laughs> without David Leroff. <laughs> do we want to get into the stain part? Of Why don't we do that for next week? Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Let's see. Uh, I guess that's the Unchained. 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 Well done. And not unstained. There you go. You've been listening to The Greatest Story Never Told with Miles and Thrill on Radio.com. Oh, man! A Double Flush production.